Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Neil the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, 9 rebounds, 6 oh, assists from Shane. Oh, oh the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 no. oh, oh no. right Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor on the deep throw! Throws it back to Oladipo. Stevenson behind, drives inside! And the foul! Lance Stevenson! And a chance for a three-point play. He just headbutted the Stanton. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome back to the newest episode of Born Ready to Pod. My name is Chris Cook, and sitting next to me, as always, Eric Hawk, Jake Light. Guys, how's it going today? It's going great. The podcast life's a great life, let me tell you. We got big interviews. We got big people doing interviews. We got a logo possibly coming in the works. Um, it could be out by this time this airs. And I'm not talking Jerry West. I'm talking a Born Ready to Pod logo. Jake, how are you doing, buddy? Well, on take three of this uh, intro, um, we're a little rusty. We're yeah, a little rusty. We haven't recorded with the mics. Very no, rusty. Yes. So I will tell you this. I will tell you that Hawk stole most of what I was going to say because I've already said it once, if not twice. But we do have a big interview today with Isaac Haas. Um, being a Purdue grad myself, Chris Cook, Purdue grad, uh, Hawk wasn't smart enough to get in, so that's his problem. But um, this was a big-time interview for us. Haas was awesome. Yeah, so uh, what were some of your, while he was at Purdue, what were some of your favorite Isaac Haas moments? What things stand out the most to you guys? Yeah, I literally remember the first time I met Isaac Haas. Um, He was just coming onto campus as a freshman, and obviously he was this massive dude, big shoulders. Um, He was just, he just looked like, you know, the type of human being that I've never seen in my life. Um, and I was actually a coach, a varsity assistant coach for a uh, team just down the road from Purdue, and uh, we actually went into practice with our players. They got to watch Purdue, and all of our guys just kind of flocked to Isaac Haas after practice, just talking to him because he was just so different. I mean, he was just built differently than the rest of the guys on the court. And um, he was great with our kids. You could tell he was a very smart guy, even at age 18. Um, obviously, since we just interviewed him, I mean, he's obviously much more mature now. But he was awesome with our kids. He had those big shoes, which we talked about in the interview. And uh, he was awesome. And he treated all of us as coaches with respect. And that goes a long way for me. So it was pretty awesome to see right from the beginning of his time at Purdue. And he obviously had a great career. I didn't go to Purdue. 
Because I didn't get in, but that's a whole different story. It was some we should talk about that more at some point. It was political involved. I'll, we'll get into that later. But, uh, yeah, my whole family went to Purdue, basically. And my sister went there. My dad went there. My roommate went there. So I've seen all the Purdue games over, like, the last 20 years. The word phenom and iconic are not thrown around enough when talking about Isaac Haas. Only five minutes ago when he threw it around the first time. I threw it around the first time. I'm going to throw it around again. That man just had a presence. He just had this aura about him. You had to cover him in, in college basketball. There, there was games when he was hot in the post that he was just unstoppable. He just took up the whole middle. When he was cooking, he was a fun watch. He also pissed you off every now and then. I mean, uh, we, we can be somewhat critical here. But uh, all in all, great interview, great guy, seems like. And we wish him the best in the NBA and, and wherever he goes in the future. Yeah, I really feel like he kind of opened up as well. We weren't ex- didn't know what to expect when we went into it, but he's actually, you know, I think the questions, he, he was vibing with those, and I think that, you know, the interv- interview went really well. Yeah, if you follow the Born Ready to Pod podcast with these interviews, you know we butter them up at the beginning. You know, we ask those hard-hitting questions, just trying to figure out some information, and then boom, we start in with some great you know, just kind of break the ice type of thing. So we kind of do it backwards, but he really ate it up. I mean, we talked Fortnite. I mean, I don't want to give everything away, but we talked a lot of stuff, you know, that happens on Purdue's campus. It was awesome. Uh, he opened up, and he was honest with us. We had some laughs. And uh, like like you said, I didn't expect him to open up as much as he did. And the fact that he did, I think our fans, um, you know, our audience will like that as well. Yep, so as you said, not giving too much away, let's just go ahead and cut right to it. Uh, here is our interview with former Purdue center Isaac Haas. Boiler up. House. All right, as uh, previously mentioned, today we have a very special guest on uh, this podcast episode with us today. Uh, Isaac Haas, the uh, former center at Purdue. Um, he started there in 2014 and actually just finished up here this past season. And most recently, Isaac has been playing for the Utah Jazz Summer League team. So, Isaac, I just wanted to say thanks a lot for uh, coming on the show with us here today. Yeah, no problem. Isaac, uh, obviously, a couple of us graduated from Purdue, so we're huge Purdue fans. Um, Coming out of high school, uh, you you had a 4.0 GPA. Um, So you were obviously heavily recruited. Um, what was your thought process during that time of your recruitment? What ultimately made you decide to attend Purdue over schools like Wake Forest? Well, I know I wanted to be a part of the program that had a great legacy, but was having tough times recently. So I was a glory and I kind of based it off of that. And then, you know, Wake Forest obviously has a great legacy. Purdue obviously has a great legacy. Um, you know, I've just been really, you know, honored to attend Purdue, honestly, because I knew, you know, with them finishing last in the Big Ten, there's nowhere really to go but same or up. Right. You yeah. know, so, I mean, I wanted to come in with low expectations, but to work as hard as possible, as hard as possible to be the best player that I could be and then, you know, raise the team to a higher standard. Yeah, well, trust me, as a Purdue fan, I remember those lower years. So I definitely appreciate the last several making runs in the Big Ten tournament, uh, obviously the NCAA tournament. So definitely more than happy to have you join. So, yeah, definitely big time for us the last couple of years. Uh, after your four-year playing career at Purdue, what was your high moment, best moment uh, playing basketball at Purdue? What, do, what are the things that stick out the most from your, from your time there? Man, that's, that's a hard question. I mean, obviously winning the Big Ten Championship, yeah, I would yeah. say that was, just, that was huge. Um, getting to the Sweet 16 uh, our junior year, uh, that was unbelievable. 
you know, because, you know, everybody thought that we weren't going to get past the first round because the past two years we hadn't been able to uh, with losing to whoever it was my, my freshman year. Who was it? Cincinnati? Was and it, then, yeah, uh, it was Cincinnati, I'm pretty sure. And then Little Rock. Yeah, so, Little Rock was the next season. Yeah, so, I mean, everybody thought we weren't going to get past that first round. But making it past that first round and into the Sweet 16 eventually my junior year, uh, that was an unbelievable feeling. Uh, just knowing that we had a chance, and obviously, you know, Kansas uh, played extremely well, um, and they beat us. But you know, then moving forward, we knew that we had a high expectation going into my senior year that we were going to try and go for it all. Uh, that we had been there before, we've broken past that that stigma of not being able to uh, get out of the early rounds, and uh, we we knew we had the talent and the experience to move forward. And you know, we tried, but uh, ultimately, I, I think that. You know, an injury, and then, uh, you know, the other team just took advantage of the fact that we didn't have um, all of our advantages to at our expense. When you say that nobody thought you'd get past the first round, is that – do you, like – do you guys keep in track of what the media are saying? Do you – is that something you take into account? Do you even care? Is that something used as, like, a motivational technique? Do you know what's being said about the team uh, from a college basketball well, standpoint? I think – I think uh, – Nobody's stupid, so I think yeah. they understand <laughs> exactly. That. Yeah, that everybody knows what's being said. Mm-hmm. It's not it's secret. It's just we try to ignore it to the best of our ability. But it's still, you know, it creates doubt in our hearts sometimes. And you know, when you get that kind of doubt, that oh man, like what if we can't make it past the first round? Is this really going to be our legacy that we brought it up from last to only be able to get past, get to the first round of the NCAA tournament? Well, that was that was the expectation that. We wanted to break. Yeah. So, I mean, so we hear it. It's just not, it's not as prevalent as people try to make, if that makes sense. Like yep. People just try to blow things up and make it some sort of really, really big deal when it's really not. Yeah. It's just coming at the type of game and the teams that are being played against, the type of team you have, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of before we move on to the summer league talk, like you like we said earlier, we're, we were huge. We still are obviously huge Purdue fans. Um, and so obviously this, this NCAA tournament, you, you got hurt the elbow injury, um, which caused me to almost have to buy a new TV as I'm throwing things at it. Because as soon as we, we lost you, we knew we were, we were going to be hurting, but what, what was the recovery time for your elbow injury that occurred during the tournament? I mean, did you know you were pretty much screwed? I know at practice you tried to play on it, but like, what was the actual recovery time? Well, I mean, I knew that once it happened, that those guys told me that it was going to be a four month recovery once I had surgery. Um, but, you know, depending on how fast that I heal, uh, they had told me multiple times that uh, that once I had been able to heal, or in, in the past, I've always been able to heal really fast, if that makes sense. So, yeah. like, they were kind of giving an, a, an actual estimate of what they thought I could uh, heal in. And so they said four months was the, the actual, but I knew that as, as hard as I was going to work and the rehab and as much things that that my trainers are going to provide me for it was going to be sooner. Um, when it actually happened, everybody blew it up. Like, oh, it's some big deal that he's trying to play. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. But, you know, I was just trying to be there for my team. Right, yeah. But I, I, I put four years of heart and soul, blood, sweat, and tears, like, just into the program over and over and over again, years and years. And then for it all to end like that. Yeah. It just 
it killed me. So I just wanted to do everything possible to give those guys any type of hope. And uh, it worked to an extent. And um, then obviously the nation had to make it some sort of really big story. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, like you said, just doing everything you can for the team. And, and so that kind of leads me to my next question. Obviously, Purdue is known for their engineering you know, degrees, engineering students. I mean, it's just a prestigious uh, program. So what was that like when the engineering program was trying to fit you for this special brace? I mean, how like into it were you? Were you just kind of going along for the ride? Like, how did you handle that situation? And what was it like to be able to talk to those students trying to help you to do anything you can to get out on the court? Well, I mean, I feel feel, uh, honored, honestly, because I knew that those guys were just really trying to like, Keep I knew that they were because they wanted me to be able to represent. Right. Because they, the engineering students, uh, as I learned, were big basketball fans. Because <laughs> right. I thought that they were kind of in their own little world, you know. But I, And it kind of opened my eyes a little. It, it kind of showed me that, oh, it's not just the frats and the sororities and then the general Purdue public that loves Purdue. And no, it's. It's the smart kids too. Like every one of every one of those guys pulls for every sport, and they just want them to do well. And so when they reached out to my trainer about potentially developing a legal brace, that meant so much to me. And I, I was yeah. super hyped because I was like, "Well, I know I'm not going to be the first or second choice on the bench, but you know, if, if it comes down to it and there's foul trouble, I can at least go out there and set screens." Thank like. You. Like, and that, that would be worth it to me. Right. Well, you know, then, you know, obviously you didn't get to play, which obviously broke Purdue fans' hearts. Um, but, you know, after you're, you're starting to get healthy, did you ever feel, you know, super healthy going into the summer league? I mean, what was that like? I mean, at what point were you like, okay, I'm back to being, you know, that all Big Ten guy that I, that I was, you know, during the season? I still don't feel like that right now. Uh, it's a uh, it's a process, you know. When you sit out for two months and you're not allowed to do anything at all, like they don't want you to run because you might slip and fall and right. land on it again. Like just taking any type of chances with it. it, it takes a toll on your body and it takes a toll on your mental state. So one of the things that I, it's hard to admit that you know I, I was depressed during that time. Like I went through a really hard period of depression and one of those uh one of the the people at the summer league actually told me uh that you know athletes die to deaths like when their sport is done with like they just don't know what to do because right. that's been your whole life and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's just ended you know and yep. to me it felt like it ended almost like because i wasn't able to do anything i was just sitting there like <laughs> it was the most boring <laughs> uneventful time of my life but it it was so, it was the toughest, easiest thing to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you pass that time? I mean, uh, is it movies, books? I mean, well, what were you doing? I mean, how do you pass that time? Because you're used to being in the gym constantly, and now you can't be in the gym. So what did you do? Anything fun? You play Fortnite or anything? I played Fortnite. <laughs> I played League of Legends. I played any type of games. I read books. Uh, I just called people. Like, I just found time i guess I don't, I don't really know i slept a lot of it to be honest yeah because at the time that i wasn't doing rehab uh you know i was tired from rehab and then once i was actually able to run i was like 
oh, I can finally do something. Like, and I started running two, three times a day. And that was all I would do was just run like as hard as I could until I was exhausted. And I would come home, eat, sleep, wake up, do it again. Like that was just my life. And it just, it felt good. And I'm still in the process of just dropping that weight, uh, from the uh, injury. And I'm feeling so much better. I feel even more athletic than I did at Purdue. Uh, you know, my agent has just really pushed me to a new level. Uh, Roosevelt Barnes, you know, Kayla's dad. Yeah. He's pushed to a level to where I was doing things. I'm doing things now that I could never do at Purdue while also doing the same things that I did at Purdue. Yeah. And while it feels different because, you know, I've been off the court for so long and out of the gym for so long. I'm starting to get back in that feeling like, oh, I can do what I did before, and now I can do this. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an amazing feeling, and, you know, I, I'm just so I'm so blessed to be in the situation I'm in, and uh, now I'm, here I am talking to you guys. So. Yeah. You've made it. You've yeah, you made, made, made it. I actually think I that, made it. I think I we made it. it. So um, kind of going into summer league there a little bit, can you kind of – especially to us and the people who listen to this podcast, we focus a lot on NBA and Pacers. So can you just explain to us what that process is like after the draft when you're waiting for teams uh, to show interest in you playing on their summer league roster? So is it like several teams reach out to you and you kind of just pick the best opportunity from there? Or is it just like you get a call from a team and you're like, okay, sign me up. I'm going straight for that team and nobody else matters. Like, how does that work? Well, that's what an agent's for. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, he calls around, finds out what they want after the draft, and I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, I know I didn't get drafted, so what's the next step? So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep training. So I trained for about two, three days. The next thing I know, my agent, Roosevelt, calls me and says, hey, Isaac, you're going to Salt Lake to play on the summer league team. And I was like, oh, okay. He says, oh, and you're leaving tomorrow. And I was like, wow. oh, this is at 11, this is at, 11 at night, yeah. and I, my flight leaves at 7 a.m. I'm having to move everything out of my apartment <laughs> and pack it all up and take it with me to Salt Lake. So, and all in a night, and then I have like four hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, <wow. laughs> this is all spur of the moment thing. Yeah, that's crazy. And I, and I hold up in a hotel, and I just practice with those guys and I had a great time yeah what was uh, your biggest takeaway from your time in the summerlings uh, what things specifically were you able to learn uh, to take with you in the future of basketball career and well the biggest takeaway I'll say is big men don't get really get the ball out of him, <laughs> yeah. that's that's so, for sure so you kind of you kind of allot your time elsewhere so I, you know one of the cool things that I learned though was that well if I'm not going to get the ball I'm going to go get the ball off the glass or I'm going to block shots. And now I'm just going to focus on the defensive end or I'm going to get guys open. Yeah. Like with now the weight of offense is not on me. I'm not constantly pressured to score. I'm not constantly in a position to where I'm having to make moves to the basket and it's tiring me out. Like no, my, my energy is spent sprinting up, setting a hard ball screen and then rolling hard. <laughs> and my, they have to worry about me. So then my guys get in the bucket. Yeah. And then, on the defensive end, that's all I had to worry about. And so that was easy to me. Like, it was fun. It was easy. And uh, it was it was a good experience 
And I, I, re- I really wouldn't trade it for the world, honestly, especially coming off an injury, just being launched into that immediately. Like, yeah. It was a really good wake-up call, a really good uh, feeling for what it's about to be like. Yeah, what was it like? Like, you were on the same court as Biggie. Obviously, you shared the court with him as his teammate, as foes in practice. What was that like, playing against Portland and playing against Biggie? Like, did you talk crap? Uh-huh. What Ooh. was it? Well, I mean, I didn't text him before the game because I knew – that we were about to play each other. So <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to try and, like, say anything to him. But then after the game, you know, playing, playing against him, first of all, was fun because I told my guys, because I wasn't really matched up with them except for, like, maybe two minutes. Yeah. And I told my guys that, hey, he is going to climb up your back for rebounds. <laughs> and he's going to dominate you if you do not, like, focus on him. Yeah, and they're like, all right, whatever, we got this. <laughs> Easier well, said than done. Yeah, yeah. So you can tell, you can tell. That pretty much tells you how that went. Yeah, yeah. that speaks for themselves. So in that, in that aspect, you know, I, I said I told, told you guys, and then after the game, you know, I said you play well, buddy. Like, hope the best for you. And then we just kind of talked after that. We kind of talked. You know, we we keep in touch here and there. But you know, he's a grown man. I'm a grown man. We have our different lives. But yeah. you know, I text him every now and then. So, uh, according to the internet, now we are hard hitting journalists here. So we we've definitely been doing our research. You wear a size 22 shoe. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. What's that like? I mean, you're you, you can't go to finish line to get those shoes, correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, I usually get taken care of by Nike, Ooh. or I go to the place in Atlanta. In Atlanta, uh, where Shaquille O'Neal gets his shoes, and that's where I get them. Just trying to rub shoulders with Shaquille, I see. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have the biggest shoe size on the Summer League team, though? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By far, probably. Just the closest person to me uh, so far in the NBA, I think, is either Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert. I know Rudy Gobert is a 20, Ooh. and I'm so that was pretty cool. Yeah, but, I like- uh yeah, I met him, and I met uh, uh, Ricky Rubio. Uh, met a few others too. Did uh, who were some of your favorite summer league teammates on the Jazz roster? Any uh, of them great, stick out? And then Malcolm Hill, um, and uh, Diamond Stone. Diamond Stone. Oh, Diamond Stone, man! I remember Maryland, right? He, I think he only. I think he was there for like a year, and then he he ended up going. I think he got drafted by the Clippers. So. Yeah, those are some pretty cool names. Obviously, for the Jazz, Grayson Allen is going to be the, the guy that gets the click. So what was that like being his teammate? Because all of his teammates like seem to support him, and then like ESPN tries to make it seem like he's kicking people. And like, What was that like, being around him? Well, you know, he went through a rough time in his life during that period. That was a rough time, and he was obviously – he's just super competitive. Yep. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, I think – Okay, yeah, maybe it was a little extra at some times. Yeah. But the dude's just trying to win. Like, I don't understand why people try to make it out like he's some evil dude. Like, he's a good guy. Right. He's a good guy with a good heart, and he plays freaking hard. Like, he plays harder than some of the some of the people I've seen in person, like Biggie. Like, he plays so hard, and he's so athletic. Just a good-natured dude. And uh, I've joked around with him a lot, hung out with him a few times. But he's a good dude. I like him a lot. Great. Uh, so in your bio on the Purdue basketball website, it mentions that in high school you idolized uh, former Georgetown and former Indiana Pacers center Roy Hibbert. 
Um, so obviously you both have some similar characteristics as players. Obviously, I think the height is the uh, <laughs> the biggest characteristic you guys share. Um, but was there anything in particular from his game that you tried to model in yours? Well, I mean, he just dominated. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm with the Pacers. Like, he just dominated the game. Like, he he just, down low, man, like, he was just a force to be reckoned with. And if they didn't respect him, like, he was – it was just bucket after bucket after bucket. And I was just like, dude, when are they going to realize that they need a big guy to stop that guy? <laughs> and then I realized that they were sending big guys. <laughs> but He's he was just that good <laughs> at that time. Yeah. And, you know, he, take a, he took a little downfall. But uh, I, I really liked his game at the time. And I respected him. And I thought they handled himself well, so I, I really like that about him. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing from him, too, is also uh, his rim protection, which was a big thing there for a couple years, how he literally would just go stand and straight, and go straight up, and people literally, like, they couldn't <laughs> shoot over him. And everybody was just dumbfounded because they thought it was a foul, but, I mean, he was just going straight up. Yeah, so so he really revolutionized, I think, that move, and there for a couple years, just defensively, he was just completely dominant for the Pacers. Yeah, yeah, he, he pretty much brought in the verticality aspect. Yeah. All right, this is our last serious question. What are your future right. basketball plans after the summer league? Are you hoping to get invited to a training camp or something else in the works? Yeah, I'm hoping to get invited to a training camp. I'm just working hard right now. Um, I'm at home right now back in Alabama, uh, just spending some time with the family before uh, for about a week before I start getting back into the training aspect of things. And then once I start training, like it's it's uh it's just pretty much go time, you know. Either it'll be either it'll be here on a training camp invite, um, on a roster or two way, or I'll head overseas. Nice, yeah. cool. Do you have any any country you'd want to play for? Like any place in particular? Uh, no preference. No preference. High paying. High paying. I, I, I can. Uh, Please don't say Lithuania. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. You're just you're in for the money at this point, right? I mean, let's go, let's get that contract, and let's let's start playing professionally. Well, you know, you, you dedicate your life to be able to yep. do that, so why not? Absolutely, yeah. go for it. I I feel you there. Okay, so you now get paid to get paid to play a game. That's I know. pretty Think cool. That. Could be worse, right? It's not an easy game. <laughs> so, you get paid to play a game. You know? Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. awesome. Right. So like we obviously we went to Purdue. So we know some of those, you know, places on campus that people like to go and, and some of the things they like to do. So did you ever participate in Breakfast Club yourself? One time. How did Once. that go? Uh, it was I only did it one time. Let's just say that. <laughs> what, what did you dress up as or who? You said what? Who did you dress up as? You gotta wear a costume. Who'd you go as? Did you just oh, go as yourself? Drago. Drago. Yeah, Ooh. I was my buddy, and uh, he dressed up as Rocky, and we had a good time. I love it. That's perfect. So, kind of going along with that. So, obviously, the place to, there's a lot of places to go on campus, right? The cactus. You can go to all these places, but Harry's was kind of the place we like to go to. So, what was your drink of choice at Harry's? I mean, that's kind of the iconic place on campus, right? Well, I, you know, I never really went. I went to Harry's a couple times. Um, I was more of like a Brothers and like maybe 308. I'm more just chill at Brothers. I like Brothers. Uh, Wing Wednesday, man. Yeah, I thought it was just a good place to just sit down and chill. You know, I, yeah. I like that. Um, I, th- I was just mostly like a Corona guy. Nice. Uh, 
maybe a Jack and Coke. That was it. Real simple, you know. Keep it simple. Yeah, right. Easy. So next, next time you are at Harry's, though, uh, when you're in West Lafayette, I do recommend that you get the Long Island iced tea. You can't go wrong with that there. It's worth every penny that you pay there. Well, is that like pure alcohol or something? I don't even yeah, you get your money's worth, there's man. Might, there might be just a splash of Coke in there. It's worth, for, as a college, as a, as a 21, 22-year-old kid in college, it's worth every dime. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because all you need is like one or two of them. Exactly. Right. So, like, how hard when we were on campus? You know, obviously, you kind of mentioned basketball. We took basketball very seriously. And back when we were on campus, we it, we I think it, we were graduated a year before you, so we were going around looking for players like Robbie Hummel and <laughs> right and those guys. But so, like, how hard was it for you to kind of stay like inconspicuous, like undercover on campus? Because you know, some of those guys can just kind of put a hoodie on. You know, they're like six foot, but you're seven <laughs> two. So, like, what was that like? Like people coming up to you, obviously, but like, did you ever just try like to not be noticed? Uh, you know, there's, I barely, very rarely went out, um, because I knew once I did, like, this was going to be picture after picture after picture after picture after picture, and then, like, I don't know, you know, I'm just there to have a good time, you know? Yep. And so, I think people kind of forget that, so I kind of rarely went out, but if I did, you know, I, uh, I usually owned up to it. There were a couple times I remember just putting a hoodie on, and I know people knew who I was, but I just kept my hood up. <laughs> so like people, people would just be like, "Oh, he doesn't want to talk. Like he's got his hood up," you know? Yeah, right. perfect indicator. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking on campus, I'm assuming that you've eaten at all the dining courts there. So, which one was your favorite? So, uh, Earhart, Ford, Hillenbrand, Wiley, or Windsor? Particularly, I I liked all of them, but Windsor would probably be last in my rankings. Their food wasn't that good, but I mostly yeah, ate Ford. I honestly, I honestly thought Windsor was good. You, oh, you like Windsor. <laughs> I was more yeah, of a Ford I, and Wiley friend, guy. And I, thought, I thought Windsor was good. But uh, you know, after that, it was pretty much like, because uh, I was near it. Um, I ate a Hill and Brand. It was all right. The quesadillas at Hill and Brand would put it over the top for me. I can't even like. I can't even begin to discuss how many times I made that walk. <laughs> All right, you're from Alabama. Are you an Auburn or an Alabama fan for football? You got to choose one. I'm assuming. Wait, wait. Uh, I'm definitely uh, Auburn because my family has been Auburn. They, my grandfather uh, went to Auburn, so we grew up as Auburn fans. Okay, is that kind of the heated rivalry there? Does that get crazy? It's the same or worse than Purdue IU. <laughs> oh, really? That's kind of high praise. I, I don't think people could hate IU as oh, much dude. as I hate IU. Uh, Alabama, Auburn football. Ooh. What do you guys think, Alabama or Auburn? I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I don't like Alabama. <laughs> I mean, they just keep winning, so I guess I would definitely be yeah. cheering for Auburn. I don't and, like and the that team game. that keeps winning, so I'll go Auburn. <laughs> yeah, same. Just to get on your good side, we'll go. I'll go Auburn is our favorite. <laughs> Can you talk about uh, some of the guys you played against in the Big Ten that are, let's say, that on a permanent roster, the Jaron Jacksons, Miles Bridges. I know you played those uh, games against Villanova those two years, Jalen Brunson, Mikel Bridges, Mo Wagner. What, what what were the hardest guys to play against that are, that got drafted early in this year's draft? And what do you like about their games? Maybe Kata beats the up two and Kevin Huter. Uh, personally or like that team? Uh, just personally. Like, which one? 
have to prepare the most for. Yeah, which ones were the hardest? Which ones did you enjoy going against? Which guys are going to have the most success in the NBA, you think? Uh, you know, it's funny because we prepared the most, and it was the hardest for us was Michigan. Yeah, yeah they drove me nuts. I really enjoyed playing Michigan because yeah. I always played really well against Michigan. Like, I, I think I'm pretty sure I always had like a 20-point game against Michigan. <laughs> yeah. And those games against Michigan State had to be tough, too. Yeah, Michigan State was good. Yeah, I thought so. They are just they were all good, if that yeah. makes sense. They were. They're like all they solid. Were all, they were all individually talented. So I think that helped them a lot. Right. Well, when I was on campus, I was one of the guys that had to take Coach Painter around in like events and stuff. So I actually got to know him decently well. Um, and so like, I'm now a varsity head coach at a two A school down the road. So, I mean, I kind of like his coaching style, but what is his coaching style like for those that don't really know him personally? And is he an underrated coach? Oh, absolutely underrated. Uh, I think he speaks by statistics and his statistics work 90% of the time, probably more than that. It just—it's crazy how how passionate he is, especially about Purdue, having gone there himself. There's there's so many there's so many times where like we'll think we know what's best because we're like oh no like this guy can't do that or he oh he can we can let him do that and then it screws us every time <laughs> we have to come back from it. And he's but just looking at you. Every time that we the coach painter and we did what he wanted. I, th- I can only think of one or two times that it's ever, like, just gone against us. For example, Northwestern this year, the first time we played them, it was a close game because we were living with Derek Pardon's 15-foot shot. Yeah. We were, like, the dude shoots 20% from 15 feet. <laughs> he can shoot it as many times as he wants to. Right. He will have to beat us. The dude hits, like, nine in a row. <laughs> and we're just like, we're just like, what, like, what do you want us to do? Like, we're trying here. Yeah. yeah. And the coach is like, well, I mean, this is one of the times where my stats just don't work, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's that, that's that 5%, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so we eventually ended up recovering from that. We found a way and we won that game. But, you know, it's just, there's this, it's so rare that coach is wrong because his, his statistics and his knowledge for the game is just off the charts. Okay, so like kind of like going back to like, you know, the team, uh, Purdue's team, obviously um, when Carson Edwards got hot, did you ever just like come down the floor and just were like, I'm not even going to try to get the ball. I'm just going to get in good rebound position because I know he's going to shoot this. Oh, uh, yeah. And there were some times where I wasn't even down the floor. Like I just got in the rebound and outlet it to him. And I was just like, I'm not even going to run down because I know that he's going to make that. Yeah. I mean, that's isn't that such a luxury, though, knowing that a guy like Carson can just get hot and it's just, it's just, he gets so, he, he catches fire so easily. It's just like, all right, we're just going to let him shoot for the next three or four possessions. We'll just see what happens. Yeah, pretty much. And I was just like, I would just rebound it and throw it to him. I'd be like, all right, now I can catch a breather. Yeah. And I just watch and make it, and I'll be like, good job. And then I just do I'm sitting on the defensive end and just be like, I put my hand up, be like, yep, good job. Nice, yep. nice job, man. I contributed to that with the rebound. Well, what? I mean, I told him all the time, uh, like when we were, it was a close game and he was hot or something, and coach will run a play for somebody else. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I get that. But I'm going to tell you right now, if the play breaks and I get the ball, 
I'm giving it to Carson. I'm going to go set a ball screen for him. <laughs> I love it. Hi. If, if he's hot, I'm going to, like, unless I'm hitting two, like, unless I'm, like, I've scored the past five possessions in a row, like, I'm passing the ball. Like, because if the dude's hot, he's hot. Like, you need to just let the fire play out. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about he, – he's kind of getting some, like, player of the year recognition early on. I mean, he's, like, on, like, a short list of guys. I think Vegas has him as, like, the third or fourth, like, you know, highest-ranked player when it comes to winning that that prestigious award. I mean, what do you think he's going to be like this year? I think you'll get it, Not in too. my opinion. I think I think the dude works hard, and I told him from the first day he ever stepped on campus as a freshman, I said, "You're going to be a pro. Just keep working." Yeah, I told him that. He's I told him that, but from the first day he stepped on campus, I said, "Look, dude, you're going to be a pro. Just keep working." What What did you see in him that made you think that way? Just his work ethic in general, or just the way he played the game? The way he handled himself and the way that he played. Yeah, it's fun to watch. And it was the first practice; like we weren't even really doing anything. I just said, dude, you're going to be a pro. Just keep working out. I love that. Nostradamus right now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. All right, I talked to a friend recently, and he says that you judged a dunk contest at nine feet at Purdue. Can you talk about that experience and <laughs> what that was like? <laughs> I did, and it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing you saw that you couldn't do? Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a lot of stuff that I couldn't do. Uh <laughs> And I saw a lot of stuff that I could do. It was, let's just say it was not a, uh, it was, it was, it was a fiesta. Let's say that. <laughs> well, that's awesome. What age could, what age could you dunk? What was the first, what was the age where you can remember jumping up and just dunking it for uh, the first time? I think 14. I was like eighth grade or something like that. I mean, that's gotta be that's a great I could feeling. finally lift my body up. <laughs> if I could have one superpower for a day, it would just be the ability to dunk. And I'd just go to the YMCA all day, and I'd be there for 24 straight hours just dunking on whoever wanted it. I'm very envious. <laughs> Big dreams over here, that's for sure. Big uh, dreams. You're yeah. going places, my dude. Yeah. You're going places. Literally big. Yep, so that uh, wraps up all the questions that we had for you, Isaac. Like uh, we had mentioned earlier, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, so like we mentioned, v- listeners, uh, we have Isaac Haas here. He uh, was a former center at Purdue. I uh, recently just played for the Utah Jazz Summer League team, and then he's hoping to work out a deal here to go to a training camp here for some NBA team this fall. So, Isaac, we uh, wish you tons of luck in getting that opportunity, and we hope uh, whatever choice that you have uh, ends up working out well for you. All right, man. You take care. You too. Thanks a lot. No problem. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, so that was our interview with Isaac Haas. So, guys, what are uh, some of your takeaways from uh, what we talked with Isaac about in that uh, 30-minute interview? Uh, I think our phone connection could be a little better at times. <laughs> <laughs> he did give us a heads up before the interview that uh, he did have bad like reception. So that's part of the reason why yeah. he got out there a few times. Bad reception, great interview skills. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was great. He was really good. So So the thing I liked about Haas was just his openness. And he seemed very honest about you know what happened to him as far as his injuries. So that was pretty compelling stuff on you our You heard end. it here first from Born Ready to Pot. I don't think I've actually heard him talk about it much, the injury. And coming back, I mean, he's maybe done it a few times in interviews, but yeah. I don't think he's really opened None, up to no it. No interviews that are this important yeah. on this platform here. It hasn't been in his in-depth of questions, and he hasn't opened up as much, I feel like. Maybe he has. But yeah, I'm you can tell he's a really smart guy. 
4.0 GPA. 4.0 GPA, and I, I think his path is probably overseas, if I had to guess. There's I think no he, kno- he, he knows that, too. And he it, knows that. He yeah. loves it. I mean... And he's going to make money. I mean, Dwayne Wade just got offered, what, $35 million by China? Like, that's, that's good money. Like, my, there's my money to be made you know, out I there. Think, I think uh, it's just the way the NBA is played now. I think several years ago, had he... Had he been born a few years earlier, I think he would have definitely been drafted. Oh, absolutely. He has the size, like a big man that you would want. That's exactly what it is. But now the way the NBA is played, it just kind of guys his size that, you know, that modern, not modern day, but, uh, you know, several years ago, that big man you want. Like Roy Hibbert, like we referenced, that big man's kind of just been going extinct. Like he said, he doesn't get the ball in summer league. And if there was a third round, Pritchard would have drafted him. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't take him in the second round. I <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been awesome. Uh, my favorite part about the Haas interview was he he really opened up. I was kind of nervous about asking him those questions about like Harry's, and he but he opened up talking about brothers. How you know obviously he was going to be noticed wherever he was. I mean yeah. he's the only seven two dude on campus. It was I it, yeah. I remember when AJ Hammonds was there when we were there. It was like oh there's AJ Hammonds, but like it, he just he's. Huge, you know what I mean? He's so big, and I love the fact that he admitted he'd only been to Breakfast Club once, and he went as Drago. Perfect costume. And literally, as soon as he said that, I was like, we missed our opportunity, because when he talked about going overseas, he's like, I don't care where I go, and then so I wanted to be like... You can't go to Russia because of Drago. They're gonna they're gonna mistake you for Drago. And we really messed up there. The interview when I said not Lithuania, I said that because of the ball. Yeah, brothers. the ball. I got it, but I, I don't, was I don't hoping think he got it right away. Yeah, I, don't, I was hoping someone would chime in, but then we had kind of like an awkward period <laughs> where he was like, he kind of just thought I was stupid because he's like, I'm Lithuania. Like, yeah, then I was like, not Lithuania. <laughs> Well, it wasn't because it, it wasn't because of Lithuania. It was because of the Ball Brothers. I'm so. sure Lithuania is a great place. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they let's be the waters. Yeah, so. let's be honest. Let's be honest. I don't think if Isaac Haas wants the ball, he doesn't want to play with the Ball Brothers anyway. Because if you've seen, yeah. he, they took like a hundred shots. And well, they don't get little, back on defense, apparently. Either, I can so get into a whole podcast episode about the JBA League and how much yeah, hate it. I'm going to be honest. We'll save that for another time. Yeah, I don't want to dis- Yeah, I don't want to disgrace Isaac Haas and talk about the balls and you know on his Chris podcast. Chris goes getting on a tangent. Yeah. Again. I love it. But we wish Isaac obviously the best of luck. Hopefully, he gets a training camp invite. See where that goes. But if he ends up playing, you know, he gets a spot maybe in the G League. Uh, gets a you know one of those two way contracts, or if he gets to go overseas, best of luck to him. And he also had mentioned that he would be possibly interested in coming on again. So maybe Ooh. in the next couple of months, once he kind of sees where he's at. We can get him back on and kind of ask him how this, you know, since since we talked to him now, how it's been going for him, getting trying to get into an NBA training camp. So, I want that. I want him to get on that NBA training camp invite yeah. list. I, I mean, just I wanted to make like the thirteenth man of the Kings. That way yeah. we can just call him again and be like, "Dude, what's going on in the NBA? <laughs> yeah. like, tell us stuff." You can play out there with Yogi Ferrell, you know, yeah. make things happen. No, <laughs> not Yogi Ferrell. This is a Purdue podcast, strictly. Yeah. All right. Thanks again to Isaac Haas uh, for joining us here today. We really appreciate it. Best of luck to him on his journey to whatever basketball path that uh, he ends up with, whether it's the NBA or overseas. Um, But that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Born Ready to Pod. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll uh, see you next episode.